beyond the bell tower with Sarah and Toinette. Um, so we're lucky to have Toinette with us today. It's taken two semesters to get you in here. Yes. So she's. Uh, <laughs> do you think it's important for people to know about you? Okay. Uh, yes, I am Toinette Powers. Um, I am a incoming junior this year, so class of 2021, hopefully. Uh, yeah. I am a double major in international studies with a concentration in global relations, as well as psychology with a minor in Spanish. Um, I am a proud African-American female, first-generation student, and I think everything else will be covered in this interview. Oh, okay. And where are you from? Um, I am from Thomasville, North Carolina, so it's about an hour and a half away from Raleigh. Okay. Is that like a rural yes. place? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's a city to me until I got here. I'm like, yeah, no, this isn't a city. Yeah, so what was different? Um, I think the Like other than the obvious, but like yeah. what did you think was different? Um, As far as, I would say the sense of community. Uh, I come from a very small town where the majority are Latinx and um, African-American people. And uh, to make that transition uh, from that to Raleigh in general, especially NC State, a PWI, and in general in Raleigh and at NC State, there's a lot of diversity. So, yeah, those are the biggest ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about getting around the city or the uh, bus system? Because yeah, you had never ridden never, a, like a could, public bus or right, anything. I could have walked anywhere I needed to in Thomasville. <laughs> so when it came to getting on the bus for the first, I think the first semester, I didn't even use the app. I didn't even try to learn the app. I just was like, well, um, I think I, I got this under control. And then sooner than later, I realized it took me like 45 minutes to walk to one class. So <laughs> yeah. I couldn't do that or I would be late. So mm -hmm. eventually it put me in the position to learn and get into the routine of being on uh, campus. Mm -hmm. I'm actually, a question is, what was your reaction when you went back to Thomasville after being in mm -hmm. Raleigh, NC State? Um, did you see it totally different? I did. Yeah. I did. It took me a second to admit those differences because I still wanted to call my small rural town a city like I've always did growing up. <laughs> mm -hmm. But eventually I'm like, yeah, this isn't it. Um, I realized that I didn't want to go home as much, mainly because there was nothing to do. Um, and I didn't realize that until I left Thomasville. And to understand that because of the circumstances in our small community, uh, it's just I wasn't having those same conversations that everyone else were having. Mm -hmm. uh, Sometimes people are get stressed out when they yeah. feel like they have less in common with their family. Yes, that's true. Yes, you know, and, and so yeah, I do. I do feel like as far as how like my um, thinking, my creative thinking skills, and how I communicate, it has grown. And to go back home, it's to communicate the same way I communicate here, I realized I had to learn how to switch it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And not because I was trying to like belittle myself, but just to understand that different circumstances and different environments that is necessary. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's natural to change the way you talk. Like you mm -hmm. talk very differently when you're in court, you know, than you with your best friends. Exactly. With your best friends, you don't even have That's to true. speak. You just give a look and you know yeah. exactly uh -huh. what they're saying. Uh -huh. So true. it doesn't... Um, yeah, and it doesn't mean you feel indifferent about your right. family. It's just like you've had this major experience and they mm -hmm. haven't. Right. And so. I would say the biggest thing was the language, like how I spoke. I never thought or considered myself country or to have an accent. But once I got here, like everybody thought I was from the country. I'm like, yeah. I'm from a little city. Yep. No, no, no. So, yeah. yeah. Now, how has like all of your different identities um 
impacted your education or how did you like how you viewed your identities mm -hmm. did they change since you've been here um I would say the transition from high school, which like I had mentioned, mostly the majority was Latinx and uh, African-American students to NC State was in general just a big change in many different ways, but especially racially. Uh, like I said, like NC State has a lot of diversity, but the majority is uh, white students. Mm -hmm. And that transition, I think, was I'm not going to say well, I would say kind of difficult, not because I was uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's just all I had overall was like the stereotypical like oh my goodness am I going to be facing racism and are they not going to like me um it's just a lot of thoughts that came into mm -hmm. my head just because I haven't been put in the situation where the classroom that I would be in I would most likely be one of possibly hopefully five African Americans in a classroom of like a hundred and something students mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so to be in that environment I think I don't feel like I faced uh, imposter syndrome specifically because I've always had that sense of pride in who I am as a person as well as um, being an African-American female. Um, but I do think being at NC State, it has made me even more proud to be African-American female because I know uh, who I represent as far as my family, my ancestors, and what I can do and how I can share to others as well. Mm -hmm. So like your different identities like have benefited like strengthened or yes. you've embraced them a hundred percent yeah I would definitely say uh I feel like I've uh, always embraced all of my identities mm -hmm. but um I do think being on campus has definitely made me uh have a new level of have a new sense of uh proudness within them and not only being african-american but of course being a female uh, in general and as well as being like a christian because i mm -hmm. do believe in god as well and i feel like my um my belief in uh god has definitely increased i always have believed in god but being by yourself an hour and 30 minutes away from home put in different situations uh, it had me uh depend more on my faith Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah you had to rely on that like you've never that like that became your support exactly. system yeah. 100%, 100%. Yeah. yeah 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 because you did have to replace the support system at home because they weren't physically exactly. there 100 mm percent. -hmm. yeah yeah that distance uh coming at, originally I'm like, oh, an hour and a half that is great it's not 100 percent like away from home but it's to the point to where there's a good enough distance where like you know mom will not be coming to my doorstep <laughs> but uh eventually you do feel that space and sometimes it's a good thing but others times it's a moment of reflection and understanding that those people that you once depended on uh, did add value yeah. to you that yeah, mm -hmm. yeah yeah excellent and what would be how what would you say or do for a student who um like because of their identities they felt more isolated mm -hmm. have you had any friends that have like it's been a negative experience um yes or not yeah yes um and the biggest thing for that I had a few friends uh especially my freshman year first semester feel that uh, sense of isolation uh, for different reasons um and I would say the biggest way to try to overcome those obstacles would be to find a sense of community and whatever that community looks like to you just find it on campus um I know it can be hard, but it is somewhere on campus. So you have to mm -hmm. take the initiative to look in a search for those clubs or those programs that can help your experience at NC State be more valuable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then um, you're in several different programs mm -hmm. and all 
very um, highly selective. <laughs> so, um, which one was the first one you were in? Was that the Chancellor's Leadership? Yes, the okay. Chancellor's Leadership Development Program. So what's that? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so uh, that program, uh, before I even got on campus, they had sent applications out. Once I got accepted, and I'm like, okay, of course, why not? Like, this is the first program I could be a part of as soon as I get on campus. Once I got in, um, it was just a great experience. Overall, they focus a lot on service and uh, leadership and understanding that you have to understand yourself before leading others, which is what a lot of my programs have in common. Um, Overall, that program has helped me uh, with a lot of different experiences. We went to New Orleans uh, in the Lower Ninth Ward to help build a few houses. We went to London. And the whole purpose of the program is to understand yourself and your leadership skills so you can better assist others in serving them, not helping, but serving them, which that's a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. But understanding the difference between serving and helping in order to make the world a better place and ultimately your community. Yeah, so that was nice because you had a very supportive, enriching mm -hmm. um, community right when you got on campus. Yeah. yeah. And then how did you afford to go to all these places? Yeah, yeah so the Chancellor Leadership Development Program was specifically for rural minority uh, students. Uh, and overall, they had funds and grants um, that were able to serve us, which was a huge help because I knew I would not be able to afford a week trip to mm -hmm. London or to go to New Orleans uh, for an entire week. And to be able to do that, like I recognized uh, my privilege within that to be able to be in a program that paid for those experiences and ultimately benefited me. Uh, so yeah, the program funded every single bit of that. And um, yeah. Yeah, because I think sometimes people just say, oh, I can't do right. that without yeah. finding a, a yeah. a ways and means of doing it. A hundred percent. And I find that in a lot of different areas uh, in programs when it comes to like studying abroad or other things. The first uh, the first answer people give is I can't afford it. And that's all about really taking the initiative to go out there and seek these programs because NC State has so many uh, opportunities and all that great stuff so it's really up to you to take advantage of those different programs opportunities that are there to like give you money so you can like overall make a bigger impact on different mm -hmm. communities mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because had you ever like traveled a lot outside of North Carolina no I actually did not I mean when I was really really young before like my other siblings came my mom would tell me all the time like yeah we did this we did that but, of course, I was, like, two or three. So, overall, no. Um, the closest place we had went to um, was South Carolina. Um, and then way back, we went to Texas to visit a family friend. But other than that, um, mm -mm. so a lot of my traveling around the states as well as global uh, did not occur until I got here mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at state. Now, was your family concerned? Because that's the other thing a lot yeah, of students will say is, uh -huh. like, their family doesn't want them. Yeah. Like, it's like scarier what if something mm -hmm. happens yeah <laughs> yeah 100 percent um um i would say when it came to london uh in another program that i'm a part of the caldwell fellowship program uh when we had went to mexico which was a great experience my original first study abroad experience was with that program um they were very um not really for it so yeah. my mom is she was like telling the, uh the news and then 
uh, people are being deported. I, she was just bringing up stuff she heard on the news and then with yeah. the president. I'm just like, Mom, Mom, I can't, I can't just stay here when this opportunity is being uh, given to me uh-huh. for free. All I have to do is just come, show up, and be present. I got to mm-hmm. take it on regardless of the obstacle or whatever thinking she had. Uh-huh. So it really took me to be understanding towards her, uh-huh. uh, understanding why she felt so strongly about me not going, but why she was afraid of me leaving. I had to remember her background and uh, her experiences that she had. And overall, I had to maneuver uh, very strategically to help her understand. But I knew as soon as I got the opportunity, uh-huh. I was going. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you didn't tell your mother that. Of course not. <laughs> no, in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, I'm going. I'm going. But yeah. to her, I'm like, I mean, Mom, I just I just need you to say yeah. Just uh-huh. to make her understand, like, her opinion regardless is still uh-huh. valuable. But in the back of my head, I'm like, Mama, I'm going to need you to get on the same page. But, yeah, just uh-huh. still a respect level there. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's, I mean, it's not... Um, unreasonable that she wouldn't be afraid, right? You know, 100%. or have concerns, exactly. You know, and yeah. it's nice that you addressed those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, about the Caldwells. You mentioned that and going to Mexico. Yes, um, the Caldwell Fellow Program. Uh, um, so I got into that program my after my it was my freshman year, second semester. Um, that program is very into authenticity and being one's true self and understanding what you bring to the table so you can better serve others. So Uh very similar programs, except they do have a few differences. Uh, This program um, is a um, program that also funds certain experiences, Uh such as my first international trip to Mexico, uh, Guanajuato, uh, specifically the city of Guanajuato, and uh, it was great. Um, We went there to also, like, serve a community service learning experience so we learned about the community we learned more about like immigration and a first-handed basis uh so being able to speak to um, immigrants who were traveling and uh, understanding the experience and understanding that the things that we hear in the united states isn't i'm not going to say isn't the truth but it's important to know that we're in the united states hearing this information we're not there uh, so that was a great experience in that. Uh, we also served a local community. Uh, we painted a mural that had, like, a lot of graffiti on it. Um, but overall, that experience was great. Um, and it was just a great mixture of understanding yourself on a more global scale, but also becoming culturally aware of another community. Yeah, and um, Trio has always had at least one student in Caldwell every year. Yeah. So that's the piece is that it's um, – very attainable mm-hmm. yes, to get in the program yeah and it can be kind of uh intimidating because when you look at go on the website and read those numbers it's kind of like wow uh here i am this one person trying to get in because they take they get approximately between if i'm not mistaken uh, 200 to 300 applicants and then they choose 60 people out of that pool uh, and then um, there's, a, there's a whole day of interview, which is really fun. And then they choose about 25 students out of that. So it can be really intimidating when you're looking at those numbers, but understanding that you are valuable and not just the program being valuable to you and understanding that you have something to bring to the table can make all the difference. Yeah, because one of the key things is with the authenticity mm-hmm. is they want to get to know you better 
in a way that has nothing to do with college acceptance. 100%. You know, um, GPA, et cetera. So they actually don't even, you know, it's like, yeah. forget that. Exactly, yeah. Because what are the things that you wrote about or what are the questions they asked you? Like the interview questions? Yeah. Um, overall, I felt it, they asked questions that you wouldn't normally mm-hmm. get if you were at like a job interview. Like uh, Sarah had mentioned, it's mostly understanding you. So the questions were based around you and your experiences and whatever answers uh, that you wrote within your um, essays. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest differences within the Codwell Fellow Program compared to all of the other programs that I've ever uh, ran into or heard about on NC State's campus. It's not about, like you said, that GPA or those numbers, although there's like, of course, certain numbers they would like to see. The program is based on like the person and the experience and how you want to use your experience, good or bad, to ultimately serve a greater purpose other than just having that experience. So yeah, the questions were basically all about you. Yeah, and that's the piece too, is your lived experiences, even though you may not think they're significant, Mm -hmm that's one of the key things so it's like don't hold back because it's like oh right. i shouldn't share that right. like what if they judge me and right. it's like no you know yeah. get as real as possible yeah. and as possible and as comfortable as you feel like getting as well i think that's important mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and then what's the length of that program so it's till you graduate correct it's till you graduate so like I said they help you get those global experiences or whatever experience because you do get a stipend a nice stipend as well as some funding um, for your tuition as well so yeah it helps you all for the rest of your time on NC State's campus during those four years so Mm -hmm. and they have a very supportive staff and community Mm -hmm. and alumni yes 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 I think the biggest um, thing that I've gotten from the the um, program overall other than like the finances and the experience would have to be the cohorts uh, it is a very supported um, program especially within our cohorts I think that has been a good aspect of the program understanding that we all got chosen and that we all bring different things to the table um, and understanding that we all have different experiences and having those intimate conversations that may be uncomfortable with other friend groups, but understanding mm-hmm. like the program put strategically put all of you together and having those conversations, it really brings out the strengths that each and every one of us mm-hmm, have. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, you had talked, like these are both leadership programs right, to a certain mm-hmm, extent. Yeah. Yeah, and so their philosophy is, like, you have to know yourself before you get a leader Mm -hmm. and the difference between serving and leading. Yes, yes. Yeah, do you want to just get into that a little bit, what that means? Yeah, Um, so serving and helping. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. Or what was it you said? Serving and helping. Oh, okay, serving. Yeah, so when we go into communities uh, or just in general, a lot of people just like, I want to help them. I want to, how can I help you, like. And I think it's important to understand that both of these programs have helped me understand. Uh, So overall, I think the biggest difference is that when you want to help, it's kind of like you're coming in a community and you're putting your tactics on them and telling them, this is how I can help you. Let me show you. And doing that can be problematic in a few different ways just because you don't never want to feel as if you're coming in, uh, as if you're above anybody because of their experience and doing that can make them feel uncomfortable whatever community you're serving that can make them feel uncomfortable and kind of shut down and not want any of your quote-unquote help 
Whereas serving a community is going in and understanding, helping them understand, like, I'm here to serve you. You tell me what you need from me, and I'll do the best I can to serve you in that way. And helping them understand your strengths and how you can serve them. It's just a nice boundary between helping the community understand you're not coming in trying to take over. I mean, so with serving, it's more, uh, it's more serving puts more of an emphasis on the community. Yeah, they're in the driver's seat exactly. and not you. Exactly. Oh my goodness, that was such a good analogy. Exactly, they're in the driver's seat, not you. So helping overall is like, I'm in the driver's seat, you're you know, somewhere over there, I'm gonna lead this because obviously you haven't been doing it right. Whereas serving has more of a stronger connotation where it's like, look, you're in the driver's seat, I'm just trying to serve you in whatever way I can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because what even the helper thinks is a problem may not be like what other people think you know or even the problem you know and all of that stuff yeah and it goes back to like only looking at on the outside um if you're only looking on the outside if you're not in that situation the only thing you can do is look on the outside how you do that it varies but looking on the outside that doesn't mean you understand every bit and piece so you can't come in and say i'm gonna help you when you don't have that experience directly so Mm -hmm. serving is like look I don't know the details I'm not an expert but I do want to benefit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then how has it like knowing that and been being in these leadership programs how Mm -hmm. has that helped you like personally spiritually academically um I think just that little change of perspective has helped me in a lot of different ways uh especially like when it comes to friends like how I communicate not in a way that's like girl oh my goodness let me I don't know what you're talking about but just understanding like how you show up can kind of determine how someone take your Mm -hmm. perspective Uh, I'm in a program that I got connected with um, the Caldwell Fellow Program connected me with um, Neighbor to Neighbor which is a nonprofit program um, well nonprofit organization and it's I think it's it's near it's definitely in Raleigh um overall I me and my partner I had to um become program coordinators uh within our sixth graders and seventh graders and overall our program was about helping them with college uh preparedness and of course a lot of these students are minorities um in many different aspects so understanding that how I come off to them will determine how far they take the information so I couldn't come in and just like tell them like I'm older I have more experience I'm in college let me help you out mm-hmm. and I don't have, don't you want to be like me exactly <laughs> like, like maybe look, they don't. look don't yeah. you exactly maybe that's not what they want but I had to understand that our program was there to let them know like look the option to go to college is there it's available and understanding that and acknowledging that yes you may have more um, obstacles than the average person whether because of race whether it's because of your family's education or experiences but um, overall, being a leader in that program helped me be able to better um, better serve mm-hmm. the younger ones because I knew I had to come off in a way that wasn't uh, me being at the top and them on the bottom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you created a program, like an offshoot from that. Yes. What yes. was that program? So uh, this incoming, well, not this incoming semester, but spring of 2020. Ooh. 
2020, oh my goodness. <laughs> Spring of 2020. Um, because I love the program so much and that connection that I built with the students, um, I continued to uh, stay in connection with them and was given the opportunity to have another program uh, and that is going to be entitled Sister Striving Towards Success. Um, being there and being a part of the college preparing program helped me really understand that um, there was a need for sisterhood uh, within the whole nonprofit because there's a lot of benefits that the nonprofit bring and I wanted to continue to serve them in a way that I was equipped to be able to and I feel like mm-hmm. that program will be. Yeah, so you were there f- for at least a semester before mm-hmm. you came up with that program and you yeah. you built it based upon the need. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes. Um, overall, like you responded to, yeah, exactly. Them. Exactly. That's a big one. Uh, being there, I started to also not have a straight and narrow perspective, which is to get in because it's a requirement for the Caldwell program and get out. I tried to really soak in the experiences and learn and doing that. I saw a need for a different type of community within the females in the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where just the way you see the world mm-hmm. is beneficial. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to, don't try to make yourself see it in the same way as other people. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, how have you had a social life with all of this <laughs> coming on? Yeah, that's I'm sure. Um, It can be kind of difficult. Uh, because uh, with the Chancellor Leadership Development Program, the Codwell Fellow Program, I'm in a few other programs, and I just try to take it week by week and not think a whole lot ahead, uh, just enough to the point to where it's necessary. Uh, my social life, um, time management is key, um, and prioritizing people uh, and uh, tasks that need to get done has became like number one mm-hmm. way that I can get <laughs> through all of this, but still enjoy it. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it's about, like, prioritization. Yeah. Yes. And so do you ever have to deal with, like, procrastination or avoidance of, mm-hmm. like, what you don't want to do versus what would be more fun? Um, if you would have asked this me this <laughs> question freshman year, I'll probably like, no, I don't procrastinate. What is that? No, 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 no. But I am a procrastinator to a certain degree. I don't think I'm your, like, top procrastinator Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I do self-discipline has become a huge um thing for me because I understand that once I've been doing something for like a long time I feel like I deserve the rest of the day off um Mm -hmm. and sometimes I do you know but understanding that as a college student although you know you deserve that you still have something else to get done because you signed up for that and because uh when I sign up for programs or activities or um projects I want to uh, fulfill that um, that type of expectation. Um, it just took a lot of self-discipline to just keep going. Mm-hmm. Well, and some of these programs, like, fulfilled you, mm-hmm. were enriching, yeah. and exactly. not necessarily just an obligation. Exactly. exactly. Not just a time sucker. Exactly. I think it goes back to understanding what, how, not only how you benefit the program, but how's the program benefiting you, mm-hmm. because they'll also keep you going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because one of the um, kind of quick ways to check your Mm self-care is, um, which is in the book, Designing Your Life, Mm -hmm. is to have, like, how are you spending your time in, like, different activities, different, like, environments, having different interactions, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing, is if you're always studying in the Mm -hmm. library, that's not self, like, or... 
you're always in your dorm room watching Netflix right. or, you know, it's right, like, or right. 75% of the time. Right. So, um, and that's what you were going to talk about mm-hmm. too, is like, how do you do self-care when it seems that for 28 hours a day, you're changing the world? Right. Right. So yeah. when do you work on tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I would have to say that um, quickly I realized that I needed to change something. Uh, and I overall, with my experience, um, it starts in the beginning of the day, understanding that as soon as I get up, I should not look at my email, my phone, my computer. I should not just jump up and run. I shouldn't just look at my alarm, turn it off and go back to sleep. Um, sooner than later, I came up with a routine, and that routine consisted of me getting up out of the bed, uh, saying my affirmation, and my affirmation uh, for me is uh, I am destined for success uh, in all aspects of my life because God said so. So waking up every morning and having that uh, mental thought every morning and saying it out loud because I'm a firm believer of what you think is what you say, and what you say into the atmosphere will lead to positive energy, vibrations, all of that. So uh, waking up and having that be my very first thing that I say, and then um, in the mirror, of course, you got to look at yourself when you say those type of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, saying that and then um, getting up and turning on some music. Uh, for me personally, I listen to music, something upbeat that get me started, read a section of my Bible of some sort, write something if there's something on my mind. And then um, I listen to a motivational speech on YouTube. There are a lot on YouTube. Something 10, 15 minutes, sometimes 30 minutes, and then um, I'll start my day. So understanding that the very beginning of your day is the most significant part because once you do that in the beginning, you'll keep going back to that subconsciously mm-hmm. when you are faced with different obstacles throughout the day. And it sets a tone because if yes. you start out yes. the day yeah. not feeling good, you know, or not mm-hmm. getting what do you call like centered or focused on yourself Mm -hmm. like the larger purpose yes yeah and not getting sucked into oh my gosh I have to do this one thing exactly and like you said the larger purpose because throughout the day there's a lot that can happen that can make us feel little or make us feel like you know I don't know I just I just need to take a break or I just need to stop and understanding that going back to your affirmations that you are beautiful or going back to your affirmations that you have a bigger purpose or my affirmation that I am destined for success Uh, Going back to those affirmations or those thoughts that you originally had in the very beginning of the day can ultimately change you from having, like, those negative thoughts to, like, you know what? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like if you have the larger goal that you're excited about because certain days in college are going to suck. (laughs) Like, they're going to be some of your worst days. Yeah, and that's okay. And And that's, yeah. mm -hmm. And saying that, you know, today suck is not a bad thing. I think Mm -hmm. some people get confused. Some people are very like, no, uh, today was horrible. I hate today, like, and just let it ruin the rest of their week. And then some people are like, never, you know, every day is beneficial. And it's like finding that immediate middle. It's like, you know what, today sucked. And then, like, you know what, but it's just today. Like, it's okay. I got tomorrow. So finding that middle, which is acknowledging your negative feeling and then putting it to rest is an important mm-hmm. part, too. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, so when you're focused on the larger picture that's mm-hmm. positive, it's right. hard for that, like, small thing yeah. 
to come into play. Yeah, and you don't want to just keep throwing, like, having that negative feeling but not acknowledging it. It can create a sense of disappointment that you're burying, but not acknowledging it. It can kind of not be good. So I would say overall, acknowledging those negative emotions are just as important as putting them to rest. Because you can't put anything to rest if you're not acknowledging mm-hmm. those thoughts to begin mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And there's no need to kind of like, I'm supposed to be happy exactly. or I'm supposed to be yeah. like, okay with these things. Yeah. Yes, 100%. I, had to, I think I had to realize that a little bit too. Because ever since I was young, I just felt like positive, positive, be positive, good things will happen. But eventually it was like, okay, no, <laughs> I, no, it wasn't good. And yeah. I just need to, today's done. Today's done. We can start again tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Sometimes yeah, yeah. you can afford to do that. And sometimes in college you can't mm-hmm. afford to do that. Well, in some situations you, it's appropriate to feel bad. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. if you said like, oh, no, it's yeah. fine, that would be inappropriate. Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't be healthy. Exactly. Like you have a test that you know you didn't study for and you get like an F or 59 or 60 or something, and you know that wasn't good, just looking at the test and like, oh, well, I have tomorrow. It's like, okay, first, let's unpack. Let's unpack that. Why did that even happen? You feel bad. Okay, what do you want to do differently? So it's different strategies that you'll have to use for different situations, mm-hmm. like you had mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not running right to a, like a coping skill, yeah. like shopping, yeah. drinking. Which y'all know, you know? don't do that. <laughs> You're broke. <laughs> you can't do that anyway. <laughs> don't do that. We're, we're all broke. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, the exciting thing, too, that usually what you and I talk about the most mm-hmm. is all of the exciting things that you want to do in yep. life. And um, so what are some of those? Because sometimes it seems like because you're so excited about so many things, it actually stresses you out. Mm-hmm. Or it's like you almost feel it as like a negative or yes. overwhelmed or yes. something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I think half of that is like me being a first generation student as well. It's like I got this far. I got to keep going, keep going, keep going. And understanding that like, okay, okay, take a breather. But um, to go off what you said, um, yeah, I have a lot of future things I want to do uh, like next year. <laughs> Um, but, um, yeah, so talk about some of those. Okay. So one thing overall, I do plan on creating a website that I can use to represent myself in the workplace or just in general. Um, because as technology has increased, having that resume is very important still, Mm -hmm. but also having that extra representation, um, on a digital level can also add value to you and uh, what you bring and not just someone on a piece of paper. So uh, starting that website with the help and assistance from Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. (laughs) Uh, But that's something huge I want to do. Overall, also, uh, like Sarah had mentioned earlier, um, the program that I'm a part of uh, at Neighbor to Neighbor, starting my very own program within that, uh, Sister Striving Towards Success, um, is also something that I definitely am going to do, and that's in the works. But I want to be as intentional as possible when it comes to serving these students so that has also been something that um, has taken up a good chunk of my time. In the future, I would love to do uh, graduate school, possibly, and ultimately obtain my Ph.D., which I am getting the assistance from the McNair Scholars Program, which is a, a program underneath the TRIO program. Um, but as of right now, I'm doing research with that and seeing what that looks like. And, and McNair program is focused on research and 
getting your PhD. Yes, yes, specifically. So that's a direct program that can like directly affect me and my goal to obtain a PhD. Uh, and understanding that I have to start that process now. Um, as far as doing research, uh, GRE practice. Uh, so shout out to that program for that. Um, and as far as things I would like to do on campus, um, I still am a part of the Caldwell Fellow Program. Um, I would like to continue to help them with their selection day as far as getting that together. And also just keep being a part of other programs such as uh, NAACP on campus and um, being in those spaces where I can better assist people. And vice versa, understanding that those programs can also assist me and the people within those programs uh, can also help me in different ways as well. Mm-hmm. And you've also talked about like your different business ideas because you want to own your own business. Yes. What are some of those? <laughs> so yeah, I do want to own my own business. I, I want to do a lot. Yeah, tell uh, us. And with speaking of Sarah, it helped me not focus on having that narrow like focus feeling like I have to only be doing like one thing like I I can only become um, a researcher or I can only become a professor like understanding that I can have multiple things that I'm passionate about I can do all of those or like of course a certain amount that's healthy for me Uh Um, Uh so with that being said like I do want to work on uh, my speaker skills and understanding what does it take to be not exactly a motivational speaker but just a speaker in general I'm interested in that a business side. I'm not 100% sure what that looks like, but I am definitely interested in becoming an entrepreneur. So and I already took a class for that and uh, keeping those connections open and being as open minded as possible since I don't have like a one focus. Um, and then, of course, in the future, I plan on having a nonprofit program specifically uh, starting in the United States and then like internationally. Uh, I would like for that program to overall help families, um, specifically single parent families and those children within those families, help those parents uh, with life in general, such as counseling, finances, uh, and all that. Uh, because with a lot of nonprofit programs, I find that they help, you know, maybe with food or they help with finances. And I know all of that is necessary, of course, but I feel like my program would be unique in the essence of helping families mentally because you can put a family in a new home, but that doesn't mean that mindset and those skills within that home would change. So attacking the mental issues that are happening within these homes to better assist those families. I've been recently reading the book um, Designing Your Life, so I have, uh-huh. but it, um, addresses like dysfunctional beliefs and then how to reframe it about mm. like designing your life. Yes. So one of these um, applies to you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> the dysfunctional belief is I need to figure out my best possible life and make a plan and then execute it. So reframing it, there are multiple great lives and plans within me and I get to choose which one to build my way forward. Mm-hmm. And then most plans, you know, kind of, it's like there's a three to five year cycle. Mm-hmm. So high school is four years, college is mm-hmm. four years, graduate school is five years. You're usually at a job three to five years, you know, and then yeah. you move. Mm-hmm. Um, and different things change and even like personal relationships every five years. Mm-hmm. You have different friendships and like right. how relationships change. So your life plans you know, in your jobs and everything, careers, mm-hmm. what you're going to focus on is going to change. Yeah. So at 20, 
you know, you've got, <laughs> till you, you know, you've and divide everything by, you know, five up to 40 years, you've got eight life plans in you. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the piece where every one of those ideas can be a life plan. It just may not be the one right now. Mm-hmm. And it may not be your life plan even in 20 years. It may be your life plan in 30 years. Right. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think that's been something that I've put a lot of focus with on within the last year or so. Uh, changing that mindset of understanding that, like, it's okay not to know everything, especially the future, because I can't know the future till I get there. So, um, yeah, I think that's been a big thing. I think that has a lot to do with how I was brought up because of my family and under having that desire to have stability, uh, financial stability specifically, uh, and understanding, like, I need to have it all figured out in order to get to that point to where I can do this and do that. But understanding that and changing that mindset is important because you have to understand that at the end of the day, you're not just one, you're not here just for one reason. And I know that's kind of contradicting like the stereotypical set thing that has been said, which is like you have one purpose or you have a purpose. I personally believe you have many purposes, but like you had mentioned, mm-hmm. there's one thing that you, there's many things that you're put here to do or you can do. But of course, it's up to you to decide which one of those are you going to just use and keep it going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I would say the other, um, they talk about the dysfunctional belief is, I should know where I am going. Mm. And then the reframe of that is, I won't always know where I'm going, but I can always know whether I'm going in the right direction. Mm. So, I mean, I think everybody would agree that you're going in the right direction. Yes, I hope so. Right? You know? Yeah, yeah. And that's something you can kind of check off. It's like, do you know exactly what you're doing? Do you have an exact plan? It's like, no, but I'm doing the right thing you know Mm -hmm. i'm putting myself in the right situations or and i think it has a lot to do with self-doubt as well like that goes back to the motivational factor you have to learn to motivate yourself to keep going i know a lot of that is focusing like you know i need people who will motivate me which is important to have but understand that though there's going to be plenty of times uh in college uh life in general where you are going to have to motivate yourself uh, I think that's a big thing as well because you have to learn that more. you learning how to motivate yourself is also you learning what your weaknesses are and why is it that you need to be motivated to do that. And then they'll lead to more um, unsurfaced levels, so more deep conversations and understandings about yourself that you may not have noticed. Mm-hmm. Now, what other things do, do you do for self-care or even do you observe from other people? So not even yeah. you, but like your friends or you. Yeah. Because um, especially first year, I mean, it's just hard yeah, to be happy and healthy and productive mm-hmm. and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. I would have to give like a lot of it to, like I said, the community, the friends that I have and the different friends. But um, of course, you also have those closer friends. Uh, just but the, how do you make a good friend? I mean, because that's a lot of times, too, yeah. is like part of it, positive enriching relationships yeah. versus. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that. I just had a conversation about this uh, with a friend uh, earlier yesterday. Uh, we talked about understanding that when you come in contact with someone that you think has the potential to be your friend or like you become friends with that person you're going to sooner than later recognize a lot of flaws or not necessarily flaws uh, physically, but like mental thinking flaws. So you might have a friend who continuously 
dates the same dude who's treating her negatively and she keeps coming to you bringing that energy and talking to you about it after you done told her to stop or uh any other or just any friend who has mental things who are like very closed off and unwilling to open up to you so it's like a mindset it's a mindset and understanding that each and every one of us have different things that are, are at different levels within different situations whether that's relationships whether that's um motivating ourselves whether that's like looking down on ourselves like each of us have those things that we're working on where another friend on that level might be at a higher level of that type of um subject so for example when it comes to relationships like I feel like I'm very self-aware of that type of thing whereas another friend she got something else going on where she's not really wanting to admit those issues or just understanding that we all have things that we need to work on but understanding that when you become friends with someone, you're basically saying that, like, I am okay with that. Like, I am your friend. And when you're saying, yes, we're friends, that's basically being okay with their growing process mm-hmm. and understanding that, yes, you have that, but I also have this, and we're going to get through this together mm-hmm. type situation. Mm-hmm. So overall, everybody has their issues, um, different ways. And you may be higher level, some in you know, some category where your friend is lower level or vice versa. But understanding that when you become friends with someone, you also have to look at the positive things that they bring to the table and understand mm-hmm. or decide like if that's something that you want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And then where are the different places that you found community, like even physical yeah. spaces, organizations? Mm-hmm. Um, so. I would say, for example, the trio office, there's always people coming in and out. Uh, that has been beneficial uh, the multicultural student affairs center in tally has definitely been like a hub for me and a lot of other people um i met a lot of my friends during symposium which is a program led by um the multicultural student affairs office where first year students go the weekend before classes start um and i would also say just different programs that i've been a part of such as NAACP, the trio uh, McNair program and the African American Culture Center has also been a nice hub for me as well. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you wish somebody had told you? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you wish you'd known about state? About yeah, college life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like one thing that comes to mind is like saying no. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it seems like common sense, of course, but being a part of something and then having to get out has always been an issue for me just because like once I dedicate myself to a program or to something I want to stay through Mm -hmm. and I want to push through that whole situation Mm -hmm. yeah because more is not always good exactly yeah so understanding that you know I need to get out of this for me is just as important as getting into something because you need it Mm -hmm. um so there was an instance where I was a part of a great program um and it was just to the point to where I had to self-reflect and see that, like, the distribution between it benefiting me and me ben- be- be- uh, me benefiting it uh, is kind of not leveled. And just because my schedule is just too much in general, like, I knew I needed to let it go. And Because um, you don't have to do everything every semester. Exactly, which is great with college because mm-hmm. in high school it's like, uh, mm-hmm. you need to do this the whole year, you signed up. <laughs> so understanding that that option is there, um, it took me a second to actually, you know what, like, I need to do it. Um, so it was hard for a good minute because one semester I knew I needed to do it, but I didn't because I felt bad. Like, I didn't want to 
stop something that I had already started, but sooner than later, I started to see that, like, it was necessary. Mm-hmm. So saying no, or in general, just understanding that you could start something and it's okay to get out of it, uh, especially with college, because that option is always available, especially if it's going to benefit you mm-hmm. to get out of it in the first place. Well, if you want to leave us with your affirmations, that'd be <laughs> nice to say those again. Okay. Um, so I can just repeat my affirmation and hopefully you all can create your own unique affirmations. It's really fun. I'm kind of like a nerd when it comes to that stuff. So, uh, I am Tonette Powers and I am destined for success in all aspects of my life because God said so. And we believe it too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.